so uh, you want to talk about your journey from like uh, like as a sound sound uh, designer uh, or do you want to talk talk about uh, still and still moving and then go to no i mean uh, i um still and still moving actually um the reason i kind of um, i thought about uh, talking about it a little bit is because again it's about the specificity of sound and how how much that adds uh, to the detail of a place a large part of still and still moving takes place on the delhi metro i mean there are all these interludes which are scenes between men on the delhi metro and um we used recordings of the delhi metro extensively in the play and they were all recorded on a metro and actually i spent two days recording this because i understood i mean we all know this but in but it's like um, it's like sid saying that you know you don't realize something until you actually immerse yourself in it like watching a football game that's been playing in an empty stadium where a goal is scored and then a guy is like running madly to celebrate and you can't you can't hear the accompanying cheers it suddenly becomes weird right and i think being on the being on the delhi metro the two days that i recorded sound you realize that if you're going to be specific and really detailed in the way that we i was talking about before if you're you have to you have to understand that chandni chowk station or the train around chandni chowk sounds very different to the train in chatrapur and the train at like 12 noon sounds very different to the train at 6 pm and because in the play there are various different settings where the train is crowded or it's late at night or it's passing over ground in chatrapur or it's underground in chandni chowk you have to all those sounds are different and so i had to literally record record about um 60 or 70 files each of them a couple of minutes long and then finally extract the suitable sound for that and um, and that's another that that plays another interesting example of how score uh, mixes with uh, with uh, with music but the, the the other thing that i love about still and still moving is summer score because um, i think what really developed between me and summer across kind of several plays working together was a kind of instinctive understanding of what how to approach the sound design and there are there are elements to this that i wanted to mention because some of them are strange and some of them are i could be very relevant to our practice which is that i think summer innately understood the kind of the aesthetic or the practice of that pole and so and so it was the sound that he created for us was often uh, instinctively felt like it had come from the space but the weird thing is summer spent spent very little time with us in rehearsal um he would usually read the text he would talk to us about the play uh, we would talk about instrumentation like uh, you know what kind of instruments are we thinking about uh, it wasn't even like mood it wasn't so much mood i mean i wouldn't tell him this is a this this is the mood of this scene it was just trying to get a sense of what and um the way that he would score is not to see the scene and then say okay i'm going to put this track but to <coughs> see the scene some while it was being made send us pro- positions then we would take the music into rehearsal something in the scene might change and then arrive at something together and i think that that was a really and i know people hate this word but a really sort of organic way of working um where where both where both kind of artists are contributing to the making of the scene as opposed to one person makes the scene the other person kind of in some senses something for the scene mm. and um 
so there's a very beautiful love theme in still and still moving and and actually in that moment in the play there's three things happening there's um there's a transition between two scenes there's a video that's playing which is like close ups of these two men who have just kind of in the early stages of their relationship these these very intimate close ups black and white close ups and there is this music and summer saw the video and realized that the a lot of the opening shots of the video were these um or out of bed sheets and so he created this little texture under the music which makes it sound just like the rustling of a sheet and then there is of course the music which is has the kind of all the innocence and um of of kind of early love you know but the most but the most beautiful element in that piece for me is that there is in two parts of the track including right at the beginning there is this stifled breath like in the beginning of the track he just goes ha huh? and it's just like a it's like a stifled utterance and later on a friend of mine heard the track and she actually used this phrase she said that it's weird because isn't love like that it's sometimes just like this kind of stifled breath um and i think that 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 kind of understanding and layering of a track uh in and maybe we could listen to a bit of the love theme now i think that's really kind of the intelligence that summer brings as a as somebody composing for the theater i mean not just as a musician but understanding that there's going to be something visual that people will relate to this uh, music with Um I had this really funny experience actually um I worked on a collaboration with Tadpole worked on a collaboration with a Japanese theater company called Anchu UA a few years ago and we made a play called This Will Only Take Several Minutes and Summer was hired to be the sound designer on that play and um, the Japanese director and I were in rehearsal every day and at one point um uh, I introduced him to Summer and we talked about what we imagined as the soundscape and we looked at kind of artists that we were that he was interested in and I was interested in and then summer left and um summer actually went to bangalore because he had a job in bangalore 
And after three or four days in rehearsal, uh, the Japanese uh, Suguru, who is the Japanese director, kind of asked the translator, he's like, when is summer going to come? Uh, and so she asked me and I said, oh, summer doesn't come into rehearsal. Uh, I mean, we can com- we'll communicate with him. We'll send him our requirements and uh, he'll send um, he- he'll send the tracks. And uh, there was like an hour and a half impasse in because he could not understand how this was a possibility. And he was really he was really annoyed by it and justifiably so because in his system of working, all the artists, all the designers are in the space. And so we kept kind of talking about this and I was like, okay, let's, I, I understand your reservations. I un- understand your, your anxieties. Uh, but, you know, let's wait to see what summer sends up. Yeah. And uh, I think Suguru was not happy about this. Uh, bless him. Um, and then the first track came in, which was for the opening of the play. And we played it, and and Suguru gave very little away while listening to it. He was just kind of pretty straight-faced. And then we played it with the action. And then he turned to me, and he gave me this smile and nod, like, yes. I think that's all he meant, like, yes. And actually, we went through the rest of the process uh, with him really being very, very fascinated and excited by this possibility of this, that somebody outside the process could influence the process, to the extent of which... At the end of the production, he kind of quiet at, at our cast party. He kind of quietly asked me, "He said, do you think Summer would be up to collaborating with me in Tokyo?'" And I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" I said, "I said I'm sure he would be thrilled." Uh, yeah. So I mean, I no, but I uh, think what Suguru what Suguru missed was like the ten years, fifteen years of you and Summer actually yeah, being yeah. friends and you know like working together because. That chemistry, that is what I think uh, also uh, uh, mm. sort of makes, makes uh, like Summer exactly knows that Neil or, or this part needs, you know, this kind of a treatment for this particular, you know, uh, thing. So there's a certain, it's like a, it's like a sort of, uh, it's like a rhythm that you develop as artists. Like if you're working yeah. with your, your fellow artists for, I mean, donkey years, like, like the same thing happens with me, uh, with me, uh, Nick, uh, Nikhil, who is our drummer. Mm-hmm. So I, right, right, right. I actually know, I actually know four bars ahead of what he's playing now. That you know what he's going to do, where he's going to end. So I, I am, I am already thinking of the next thing before even getting there, and I know exactly what he's going to play, and he knows what right. I'm going to play. And this has happened because you know it's been yeah. uh, like years Absolutely. of yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, now you nowadays you are creating really interesting uh, sort of uh, sound design ideas, and I really, really like your, like your uh, even love proof of what you did there and Rela, and then uh, what you're doing with Jyoti Dogra. So do you want to right. sort of talk about your journey as a sound designer? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that um, somewhere I would say about uh, maybe. Uh, five six years ago, um, I had started working with, as I mentioned earlier, with different sound softwares and kind of uh, sound um, composition uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, and to the extent of which, um, sometimes if Summer was not involved in a project initially, I would work on the sound design myself and create like propositions and stuff like that. Uh, my preference was always to work with him, but sometimes if there were clashing schedules or whatever. Um, and then I discovered, and this also speaks to you about the paucity of sound designers 
uh, in the scene generally but like about 5 6 years ago like there was nobody around and so for example a third space collective who when they started building uh love proof rock they asked me to work on the sound design uh, because i'd expressed a very much a, a big interest in kind of sound and i think they knew that from having worked with that pole and so um it's interesting because my early kind of experiences of working as a sound designer i i i suppose i made, made all the kind of mistakes that uh somebody who would uh, who's getting into something and initially dabbling but then kind of immersing themselves in something would do which is to really kind of throw yourself into it and to try and do as much as possible so i remember the first version at least of the of the love proof rock sound design there was a lot of and because i wasn't comfortable enough at that point uh, which i'm actually still not really that much with my musical compositional ability i was sourcing a lot of samples a lot of uh, soundscapes a lot of kind of ambient tracks that were in public domain and kind of layering material and and then playing some things like some notes or some beats live uh but it was just i felt like at some at some point it was all too much and this you, this is stuff you only realize later you realize like you have a, like in midway through a performance you'll be looking and you'll be like oh my god there's just too much going on it's just like a bit of a hodgepodge and i think that they they when they revisited the play i also revisited the design and kind of simplified some things and picked uh, uh, a more kind made more sort of minimalist minimalistic choices um but i think that i really want to talk very much about uh, the two recent experiences i've had as a sound designer because it's weird but in 2018 i got more work as a sound designer in delhi uh, than i did as a writer or a director i mean i did five sound designs uh, uh, for five different productions and only only one of them was a tadpole show um and all five were like completely different experiences again in some of them i felt like okay this is too much this is i'm i'm doing too much and in some of them i felt like okay i'm 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 arriving at something an idea of something and the two experiences that really stood out for me was uh a bikram's play rakshas with tadpole where um where uh, i worked in collaboration with rahul sharma rahul jigyasu and uh, we decided to work, we decided we kind of plunged into it and said okay what if we did something that was live and and performed entirely by the actors and i think this was also one of bikram's briefs like i want as much of this play to be in the control of the performers as possible so i don't want live musicians and so the experience of that was then just throwing away all the software uh, all the keyboards all the midi all the tracks all technology and saying okay let's look at material and um and i think that that was also one of the visual uh, stylistic kind of ex- uh, experiments with the play and so we just started picking up objects material and they most of them weren't even instruments like they were bottles coins bottle caps pieces of plastic and paper and we started working with the actors to just explore the oral um oral life and the oral uh, capabilities of this material and initially everyone was a bit kind of wide eyed about it including myself because i was really i think all of us i mean rahul in that entire group was the only one who came to it with a 
really firm musical sensibility. And I think actually having him around was great because he was, and it's also Ban having you having worked with him. It's also his demeanor, right? He never comes into a situation in a panic. He's like, yeah, okay, let's approach this. This is what we'll try. If it doesn't work, we try something else. And he always kind of really moves with this kind of gentle rhythm towards whatever decision you're trying to make. And um, and I think that his patience and and kind of Bikram's investment in, okay, let's let this happen, allowed us to really explore uh, the kind of, it's in a, in a strange way, it's kind of orchestral foley. Because what they're doing is what foley artists do, which is using uh, objects to create the sense of something. So using gungurus to create the sense of crickets at night and to using kind of, to using paper and plastic to create the sense of water. And so they really explored that and that then uh, transitioned into us thinking about kind of in more musical terms or rhythmic terms, that how can we build this? And um, there's one there's one track that I can play, which is actually a rehearsal exercise that we did, which is the, us just kind of working with material and me working outside as almost as a conductor and 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 because we know we knew that the actors were eventually going to perform this material themselves the idea was to enable them and to make them understand how the material works and the possibilities and then let them kind of actually in some senses design the score on their own with bikram rahul and me on the outside saying okay this is not working this is too much try this but they really kind of invested themselves in that so maybe here we can quickly listen to the track that uh, uh, the rehearsal track from Rakshas. I remember this session very clearly and um, actually what we were trying to do was trying to orchestrate the sound for a battle scene and everybody picked their instruments they paid, everyone had two two things that they were working with which included buckets and pieces of wood and uh, knives and stuff like that and everyone was asked to pick kind of vocal qualities and then we just worked with kind of different um, combinations and different understandings of the difference between a sound that's a texture that is kind of like has a has a certain length to it and a sound that's a kind of impactful accent. And as you could hear, there's like, there, it's, it's me sort of conducting from the outside, but eventually uh, finding a way to use all of this to kind of work itself into some kind of uh, score. So that was one, one experience um, of Rakshas working live and working with found material and things. But the other experience was working with Jyoti Dogra, who's um, of course really... Uh, wonderful performer and artist and but also kind of 
deeply, deeply sort of invested in how uh, kind of the various elements in in her performances, because she devises the text and performs and directs it herself, and works with um, works with outside designers for lighting and sound. And this is actually, I think, the first play where she really kind of engaged with sound in a in a really deep sense, because her previous uh, performances um, uh, don't to this extent. And I and, and I know that. She had a history of approaching a few different people, and then finally it was Anuj who was working on the light who said, "Okay, maybe you can have a conversation with Neil about this." And I knew a little bit about the piece because I had seen it in rehearsal. And then she called me once more to say, "Come and watch it and see what you, whether you think that there's some sound capability here." And uh, so I went to watch it, and I watched it in this little studio, and I was sitting under an AC, uh, a split AC, and so the hum of the AC, the was kind of constant through the show, and so at the and and Jyoti had showed the piece to a number of people who had very strongly advised her that this piece needs no sound design, so please don't make that mistake. So after her rehearsal, she kind of asked me. She said, "So do you think this needs sound?" And I said that you know, if anything, I want to try and recreate what I was experiencing with this, uh, the hum of the AC playing over me, and and I think both of us immediately agreed on the fact that. We would. It would be great to work towards a sound design that's discreet, that feels like it's in the air, but you really have to pay attention to it to know that it's there. And sometimes it misses you, and sometimes it doesn't leave you, and sometimes it emerges without you understanding where it emerged from or how it emerged. And sometimes it leaves before you, like, can tell that it's not there anymore. And so that experience was great. And I think what really worked for me was I think I finally reached a point where I realized that. I don't really have much of an ego as a musician. So, like, if I make something and send it to somebody and they say this just doesn't work, I don't take it personally. I may do that if I've written something. I may do that if I've created something visually on stage as a director. I may feel like, oh, I mean, I may, I may have a reaction to it. Uh, uh, but somehow, in terms of sound design, I feel like because it's really, I feel like I'm still exploring it, uh, and because the 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 demands from Jo for Jyoti's play were so specific that I, I really didn't have, I didn't go into it thinking that I had a lot at stake here. That oh, if I make twenty tracks and she only picks four, that's going to be like you know a great sort of uh, artistic snub for me. It wasn't like that at all. Um, and I, that kind of liberated the process for me, and I really started experimenting a lot with frequencies of sound with. Um, she does a lot of vocal work in the play herself. A lot of it is kind of uh, uh, has a musical quality, and so to be able to match that or play underneath it, and to try and do actually one of the big ambitions was to try and do most of this live, to not prepare tracks and play them, but to actually play the play this live. Um, and for which I had to practice a lot. I had to improve my piano skills a little bit. Uh, I had to really work. I mean, sometimes actually. Uh, um, I'm glad that nobody can see see kind of um, technicians during a show because sometimes it's a bit absurd. I have to, I have to bury my head under the desk of whatever my MIDI keyboard is and not look at what's on stage to actually like know the right level that I'm playing a track. And it's so it's it's this embarrassing situation where I have my head between my legs and my hand up like turning the knobs. Um, but um, but yeah, I, Jyoti, the working with Jyoti on this was 
has significantly impacted how I think about sound. Uh, to the extent that actually Rehila, which followed quite closely after Black Hole, a lot of the sound design of Rehila is quite, I would say, emulative of the of the sound quality of Black Hole, uh, which is very, very, very kind of a discrete sound. You, sometimes just a single note, you know, just playing at a very, very low level. Um, and I think this period of my life as a sound designer and a director, I'm I'm quite excited because I'm having kind of immersed myself into it a lot. I'm also exercising restraint, which as all, all artists know is, is sometimes hard to do, hard to do. But once you start doing it, you really kind of actually, it makes the experience really much finer. On my last production as a writer director, which is Quicksand, it's the first time that I didn't use ambient sound in a play at all. There were no effects, no ceiling pans, no birds chirping, no nothing. It was just silence. And um, I really, even though we did have a score composed by Summer, I really appreciated the value of silence in that play as being almost pure silence, nothing really happening on the soundtrack. And I think that working with Jyoti has furthered that for me in terms of making me understand how like fine sound can be and really um, drawing your, using using discrete sound to draw the audience's attention much closer to the play. Like it's almost if something is dimly lit, you have to look closer. That if something is kind of fairly present, you have orally, you have to listen harder or listen closer. Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of where I am at the moment. I'm still in a position where, given a choice, I would rather not do sound design for my own plays where I'm directing, because I really feel like it's nice to work with a designer. You know, it's nice to work with somebody who's having a conversation with you, um, because it, 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 uh, it's also scope to surprise you. Like, you know, if you're in control of everything, it ends up being a little bit predictable. and. Um, but I'm very excited by the possibility of working with other directors as a sound designer. And um, and currently, the thing that I'm doing right now is uh, working with Anurupa on Katkatha's new project, which is uh, um, a staging of the Arabian Nights. And I'm excited about that because it's, it, it means I have to move into a completely zone, different zone, because it's, it's, it's a classical text. It has a very specific geographical setting. I mean, multiple actually. We yeah. think of them as the Arabian Nights, but actually the stories are yeah. from China and India, and uh, and also it's an entirely different form. You know, actually, Russell uh, was able to be in with her before the lockdown. Uh, it was like, okay, I'm. You know, it's like movement has a completely different quality, and uh, a space has a different quality, um, and uh, and so one has to think about sound also. Uh, really differently and so I'm very excited about that yeah and also uh, you have uh, you have had a band as well <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh, it's um, it's a bit of a exaggeration to call it a band because, okay a um, duo a duo <laughs> a duo and we have played one gig uh, of two songs um, um, uh, a a bunch of years ago when I started uh, uh, screwing around in GarageBand, I would like to really like play like programmed drums and keyboards and 
and add like random vocals which i hear right now yeah. um, like mean nothing i don't know what was being said and i decided uh, i had this uh, i had this statue in the house that i was living in then which was given to uh, the owner of that house as a gift yeah. but it was this tanjore a stone statue which was so heavy it couldn't be moved like even the internet guys when they came to put the cable they were like isko hatao and then i said nahi and they couldn't move it so every <laughs> the cabling had to happen around the statue yeah. and and this statue had a really big bust and so it was fondly called by um, my friend yash it was called dusty bosom because it would always be dusty because obviously yeah. we didn't huh? and dusty bosom became the name of this uh, this 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 uh, <laughs> mysterious band um, yeah. and we did do one gig as part of a tadpole variety show yeah, where yeah. we played a couple of songs But yeah, it's um, our greatest hits are about to come out soon. Played the greatest, yeah. greatest one song. But, yeah. But uh, yeah, on like on a on a positive sort of uh, ending note, like we, uh, I mean, I feel that uh, you know your like sound sound has somewhere somewhere been like at the core of what you are sort of also feeling. because mm-hmm. you you have said it many times and even on this podcast you have talked about how sound has sort of been your companion over the last years even though you were exploring more of your directorial part director part or your writer part but uh, you haven't given up on sound and now you are actually sort of deep diving into it which is uh, i i mean it's great because like what what i personally feel is like someone like you is who is coming from a certain world but has not not really left the world of sound it's not like you are you are jumping into sound now you know it's like mm. you have you have been associated with sound you have been like sort of moving with sound and now you have made a conscious choice to sort of you know explore this world and i personally i love i have i have whatever plays i have uh, like uh, i have uh, experienced uh your sound design like love proof rock and uh, even black hole and drilla and i mean i have i have really really liked it and even the films that you're doing now so i think yeah it's and it's an interesting space for for me also to listen to you know it's not like yeah. not it's not like it's not like when i listen to your sound design ideas or whatever i'm thinking that oh you know this is not a musician or not a whatever it's, that that thought never comes it's okay. always like okay this is really interesting and it's coming from a certain sense of sound which is what yeah. it is you know which is what what this whole oral world is about whether you are a musician or you are a theater practitioner or you are a dancer or a movement person doesn't matter end of the day it's what you are creating with 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 those vibrations like sound is also vibrations right yeah <laughs> Thanks for saying that, Ban. I mean, it means a lot coming from somebody who's a musician, and it's very encouraging. And I think that uh, I've also been able to do this because I realized. Um, um, I mean, I remember once many years ago, Summer um, was supposed to direct one of Tadpole's very early plays, and then one day abruptly came to me and said, "I don't want to do it." And I said, "Why?" And he was like, "Look, I'm. I feel like you know, I want to focus on music. I don't want to dabble in something else." And 
And when I was getting into sound design, there were times when I thought, am I just kind of dabbling? Is this like a dabbling thing? And I'm still not sure that the answer is yes. But I think one way to know is that if, if, the, if the work that you're doing is actually able to kind of uh, um, exist in its own space and, and create a space for itself, I think that's encouraging. And I think that equally, I've had people feed, give feedback on things that I feel like uh, they, they felt like I could kind of work on, but at the same time, to hear from you, and I remember in Bangalore after Rehila, uh, Sachin from who, who's who, who's an actor but also a musician in Bangalore came up to me and spoke to me about the sound design, uh, and 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 I felt very encouraged to kind of exp- not just oh uh, I can do this, but that there are there are things that you can do that people will pay attention to, and I think that that's really really uh, encouraging, and I I'm really kind of I I. I Sometimes I have almost a religious fervor about this, about like trying to talk to people about thinking more carefully and more, uh, more uh, um, in a more nuanced way about sound. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's my jam right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the next yeah. podcast we can do a live, like uh, post this lockdown or whatever. We can do a live yeah. jam thing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, play my, I'll play my five chords that I know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, I think this where uh, where you guys ended your last bit of conversation seems like a good point to say okay then we'll uh. re-engage with some of these things perhaps we can look at more specifics uh, in some other way maybe see how this episode turns out and what parts of the conversation we're able to cover in it uh-huh. and then oh. maybe pull out Pull yeah. out some specific element that we want to take further and talk more about, even in terms of your thing of having wanting to have uh, more conversations around these subjects with various people. Bring somebody else in, see yeah. how that goes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But thank you so much, Neil, yeah, for for this. This is amazing. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I mean, I would like. I would find it actually at this moment much harder to talk about writing. Uh, even though I think that's the principal thing that I do is, I, uh, is, if I were to call myself one of the three things that I do in the theater, it would be writer. Even though I direct much more than I write, but I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really. It would be hard for me to talk about it right now because I'm in. Uh, but to talk about sound design is really exciting for me. Also because I feel like I'm still learning so much and exploring so much, and um, yeah, it's really. But it also seems like this time is like a time where, where a lot of us, uh, I mean, well, one, we have a little more time. And and the sounds that we are engaging with are not necessarily sounds that are grating on us uh, in terms of traffic or you yeah. know, the, the usual sort of how life is structured and, and the kind of tempo or the beat or the rhythm of that. So, yeah. So, you're now able to, I think, connect with sound and, and, and all of these oral experiences in a slightly more... Completely different way, yeah. Yeah, oh, in a different way, yeah. yeah Maybe yeah. more detached, more engaged with different mm-hmm. elements of it. And also, perhaps, uh, you are more personally detached from anything outside of what where your engagement is. So, so it's leading to, I think, uh, new ideas of looking at things for, for all of us. I'm very excited to share my my questions and and like investigations and 
explorations in into sound uh, and it would be as you said it's nice to have conversations where it isn't really one per- person exclusively talking about their experience but people sharing sort of ideas and things like that yeah so so yeah good one man thanks a lot yeah thank yeah, you thanks thank guys you, thanks for yeah yeah yeah, yeah.